fight And we don't have to kill Everybody in the whole wide world Really just needs to chill No, we don't have to fuss No, no, no We don't have to fight Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Just Chill with Oliver George This is episode number 41 And I am very, very excited to share this episode with you But as always, before we get to that I want to remind you, if you're watching this on YouTube right now And for whatever reason you would prefer an audio-only version of the episode You can get that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio And other places like that Opposite to that, however, if you're listening to this right now and you didn't realize there was a visual side to the show, please come check it out on YouTube. However you choose to enjoy the episode, though, I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe, like, follow, share, whatever the case may be on the platform that you are using. It really does help me. I'm trying to build this show from the ground up, so if you've already subscribed and supported me, thank you so much. Uh, finally, if you want to reach out to me for any reason, you can contact me at justchillpodcasting at gmail.com. Now, this week's episode was an absolute amazing experience for me. I got to speak to one of my comedy idols, Mr. John Doerr. If you don't already know, I'm a massive fan of his. You can uh, actually just check out this clip from last week's episode where I was speaking with Kyle Brownrigg. This is me talking about John Doerr. And it was my first taste of like being on stage and having people... I mean, it wasn't my material, obviously, but like I felt like they were sort of laughing at me or that I was doing my part well. And so I've always kind of... uh, really been you know low-key thankful about that experience not that i've had the chance to tell him yet but maybe one day and less than 72 hours later i was talking to john what an amazing experience i was giddy during most of the interview as you're going to be able to see for yourself but we talked about humor resources his new show on cbc which is just full of hilarious comedians and actually his humor resources co-star emma who you'll know if you watch the show she makes a surprise appearance during this interview so that was an amazing moment to have happen uh we talked about the john Doerr television show which is basically how i first fell in love with john's comedy and uh so many cool moments we talked about john's beard uh, this was just a conversation that really really was an absolute blast so i really hope you enjoy it as much as i did thank you so much there that should be better yeah no that sounds amazing now all right cool how's it going it's going amazing man i can't even believe i'm talking to you right now uh normally i i don't get too nervous before these things anymore i've been going at it like 15 months now this is episode 41 i've already talked to a bunch of uh canadian icons you could say that i that i grew up you know watching on tv and stuff but you're a Real special one for me because you're one of the oh my god inspirations in, uh, for comedy for me and, and just so many levels. So thank you, man. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. No, thank you. This is great. Did you say some forty one? No. Oh, I thought I heard you said some. For, oh, maybe someone. Okay, never mind. <laughs> some forty one in there. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're all right. I don't have anything against some forty one. Um, yeah, no, man. You've just been uh, somebody that really propelled me into wanting to try comedy. And I'm actually going to share a few of the memories I have from watching you perform a little later, but I don't want to start off with that. Um, first of all, just thank you again. And I was surprised that uh, you're on Alaska time. That was kind of, yeah. uh, you know, just not something I was expecting. Yeah. I mean, I'm not living in Alaska. I'm just on Alaska time. Oh, okay. <laughs> God damn it. I knew this whole interview was going to be deadpan and not being able to tell <laughs> no. when you're serious. Um, no, no. I, I, yeah, I live in Juneau, Alaska. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I heard you went up there. Uh, Twas love. Twas love. Twas still is. Still is. Um, good. good to hear. Twas twill, twill be. <laughs> uh, hopefully continued. Yeah. I met uh, my girlfriend in Fairbanks when I was doing a stand-up comedy show. Oh, nice. And she was working up there. And uh, yeah, we kind of traveled back and forth when I was living in California. I'd come up here. She'd come down and then eventually had to make the decision to, you know, move up here. She has a, a daughter here and her work keeps her here. So uh, yeah, I was going to say she's uh, great on the show. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 She's just a that, natural. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I was going to ask you, though, has it been weird adjusting? Because I had a buddy who traveled. His dad was in the army or something. And he told me he lived in Alaska for a while and uh, the light change in the hours and all that with the day and night is that something right. that's is that as drastic as some idiot like me thinks it is no well it, it can definitely be that way not where i am i'm in southeastern alaska because juno's pretty far south don't get me wrong we lose a lot of daylight but it's not like fairbanks or places further north um so yeah it's 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 kind of like ottawa in a way i mean oh, okay 
yeah, you get up in the dark and you come home in the dark if you have a nine to five job. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, you, you don't have as much light. But um, yeah, it's not the light that bothers me. It's kind of the isolation. There's 30,000 people in Juneau. You're kind of landlocked or sorry, not landlocked. You're almost in, you are locked to land, but there's a huge ice field, so you can't traverse it. So it's you have to come in by plane or by ferry. So, okay. yeah, it's just a small isolating town. Not the worst thing rain. to be isolated during the pandemic, I suppose, though. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I guess there's no good place to be, but um, I don't know. Well, New Zealand, I think uh, I had heard something that they had a concert like a a month ago or something with 20,000 people, no masks because they haven't had a case in months because they blocked off any kind of travel to and from the island. So, yeah. How great would that be? Right. Yeah. They're living. Yeah. Yeah. They're living like in a post COVID world that we're we're all still hoping for. So it's, uh, you know. Yeah, I'd, I'd give anything to be at a huge outdoor sunny afternoon concert at blues fest in ottawa oh, anything man. yeah the lineup it was supposed to be rage against the machine last summer too yeah i know i know <laughs> it would have been great yeah, yeah it would have been epic but um I, I can't uh, wait to talk now about humor resources because i've been enjoying this show thoroughly and for anyone who hasn't seen it they should go check it out on cbc gem uh new episodes on tuesdays right that's right. Yeah. Tuesdays at 930. So there's two more, two more. Well, when is this podcast coming out? Uh, they come out on Mondays. So not tomorrow, but a week after that. A week after. So we'll have one more episode. Yeah. The finale. Well, we tried to time it that we thought it was going to be Kyle's episode when I, I had him on last week. That's right. And that's will going be tomorrow. So we were trying to do like a week of advertising, yeah. you know? Oh, that's cool. Right on. Well, then, yeah, that will be Kyle's episode. He's nice. in the finale. So, yeah. Yeah, Kyle Brown, Kyle Brownrig for the listeners. Yeah, we should say his full yeah. uh, full name. He was just on the last episode and he was actually my first guest ever. And his appearance last episode also made him the first return guest on the show. So pretty special. Right episode. That says yeah. a lot, too. You had a guest on and they wanted to come back. That's just I doing suppose, something right. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched the first episode and cringe a little bit because I feel like I've grown a lot as a host since then, just being forced into it. But um, but that's great. Way, you should. Yeah, I, I. Yeah. But you should cringe and move forward. And then exactly. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't want to change it because you can look back and really see the leaps and bounds that you've made. So it's uh, yes. you know, to help propel you even further. Agreed. Um, wh- what I was going to say here. Um, oh, yeah. I wanted to know. I know this was filmed during covid and the quarantine mm. and all that. But was this something that you had actually conceived before and it turned out to be a happy accident? in the sense that it's the perfect show to film in those kind of conditions, or was it something that you had a light bulb kind of go off in your head when the quarantine happened? A little bit of both. So the show existed prior to the pandemic in a different form. Uh, We had actually pitched it to um, Quibi, um, but as a very short, like a short form, five minute kind of, uh, digital short concept where I would just interview comedians and we didn't um, have a lot, a lot more to it. And then the pandemic hit and CBC had lost their Olympic broadcasting and they didn't know what their hockey schedule was going to look like. So yeah, I think they just had, um, opportunities for people to pitch shows. So yeah, just for laughs approached us or our manager and asked if there were any uh, ideas floating around that could be shot during quarantine. And no one really knew what that meant at the time. They just knew we're locked down. Um, It's not like it is now. It seems like productions are opening up a little bit more. So this was back in the end of March, beginning of April when we were just sinking into onset. Yeah. Yeah. When it felt like North America was really, figuring figuring out that oh this is real and this is going to be a problem yeah so yeah we they they approached us and we retooled the short form idea and um uh realized it would work if we could ship these cameras out to other comedians um we and it would look broadcast quality so Mm -hmm. that was important and then we created um uh a through line for every episode which uh stuck to the theme so we created a theme for every episode so we took a short form interview program and turned it into something with a bit more of a narrative so yeah yeah so it had existed but then uh when just for laughs approached us to retool it uh adam brody dave durlaney the co-creators and directors of the show and myself um yeah we created a show that would show a little bit of what life during a pandemic is like not what we don't specifically reference the pandemic but we do talk about 
you know, the pressures of homeschooling, uh, time management, uh, the pressures on your relationship when it's just the two of you. Um, but it was mostly how do we, yeah, how do we shoot in a pandemic? Um, and well, you do stuff like the, uh, the drive through guy at the Timmy's, which is just a hilarious concept. <laughs> Yeah, we had to find a way to to surround myself with actors um, in a pandemic. And I was in Juno, so it's slim pickings, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we had to find a way to surround myself with actors. And so a lot of those people are, you know, yeah, my friend, <laughs> friend, quote unquote, a guy who I want to be my friend, but he doesn't seem to want to be my friend. Just an <laughs> odd character who talks to me through the drive through speaker. Um, and then a lot of the actors are customer service representatives that I talked to over the phone. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that's coming up. So yeah. How do we make a show with basically one actor and other people sort of populating the show? And then the other actors are my girlfriend and her daughter. So it's all in the so bubble. Th that's how we had to, yeah, that's how we had to shoot. So we had a two person crew. There was a camera assistant and uh, a PA Gabe and Luke and myself. And that was it. It was constant troubleshooting, um, technical problems the, the whole time that we had to work around and we did. So it all worked out so well though. And, and as we mentioned before, Emma is like a superstar in the making. I was also going to ask, did you try to give her any kind of comedic coaching or is she just as natural as she seems? No, you can't. We, we worked around her strengths. So um, <laughs> we would, yeah, it was hard at times because, you know, she doesn't, truly understand she didn't grow up on a set or you know trained to be a, a child actor or anything like that um so it really is mount a camera and then try your best to say here's what's going to happen uh but yeah she would often not not quite get it so uh and she shouldn't you know she's like a kid who just wants to have fun and we wanted to preserve that too so we'd be on set and i would say a line she would say her line and then the scene continues but she doesn't think it does so she'd immediately just start looking out the window and talking about <laughs> what's going on in the world like i hate that hill and she'll say stuff like that in the middle of That's takes hilarious. um yeah so it was fun so we kind of had to write short snippets around her um but uh, yeah, no, she's great. She's just naturally funny. I used to make videos with her all the time. And then yeah, some, the I've seen some of those on Instagram. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually saw you do an interview um, in from your van. It was kind of like a precursor to the show almost for Conan, where uh, mm. you, you yeah. threatened to take her bike apart and throw it in the woods. And it was just a great mm. bit, but it really much, uh, very much reminded me of Humor Resources in that sense. Yeah, well, that was part of it. Like we sh we definitely showed a few clips of the interviews I do with Emma in the car to the network so they could see, mm. you know, it'll look better than this. But here's, you know, some of the people that will populate the show. And here's how we think we can tell this story. Uh, and every camera angle in the show, Humor Resources, is motivated by the cameras that exist in our everyday life. Our laptop cameras, the Alexa camera, the cell phone camera. Yeah, there's the some POV shots. Yes, yeah, security camera. So there isn't every camera is motivated by these devices that exist in our life, um, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, and but hopefully people don't really notice that. Hopefully they just feel like they're watching a show because there isn't yeah. a shot other than the establishing shots that isn't motivated by those things. Yeah, I, you had a bit of an episode about that, too, where you were trying to prove that we didn't really need our phones. Yeah, turns out I thought that was a fun take where you end up getting lost. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't fun. That wasn't fun at all. I don't like getting lost with that Emma kid. Oh, man. Yeah, well, she seems like a good kid from what I can see. I don't know, man. I well, you try living with her. Try living yeah. with her. <laughs> well, hey, I got three kids, so uh, I can relate, man. How old are your kids? Uh, my son just turned 12. My daughter's 10, and my youngest is like three and a half, little guy. What? Yeah. Well, I, I, I have an ex-wife. We're on good terms and all that, but uh, I got started young, I should say. No uh, shit. I yeah, was going to say. Early 20s. Yeah. I had uh, two kids with my now ex-wife and luckily everything worked out great. And me and my fiance have this new little guy and they've got other kids now too. And one big happy family, so to speak. So you're, wow. So you wow. Holy yeah. jumping. Yeah, because you don't strike me as someone who has three kids. I don't know what it is. It's, it's your, your appearance, your look. Maybe it's the, the comic book posters on the wall behind well, yeah, you. I'm not sure. The man-child vibe in here for sure. Yeah, no. <laughs> the, um, the, the Peter Pan syndrome. I like to think, yeah. me and Kyle were just talking about this, that I do have quite an inner child still, and I, I try to embrace that. You know, I don't want to ever fully yeah. quash that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, I have kids, and it's, it's fantastic, but it can be uh, a handful, like you were saying. 
Oh, well, you're in a whole other universe. <laughs> I mean, if you have three and they're yours, I mean, yeah, well, that's a whole but, other sense of responsibility. Well, I mean, you're living with her, though. And so you, I was going to say you seem like a pseudo stepdad. At, at this yeah, point. but oh, absolutely. And there's a lot of responsibility that goes along with it. But, you know, there is a father. And, you know, so it's like. Yeah, there's responsibility, but then there's three kids of responsibility, which seems. Well, to be, I was uh, going to yeah. say uh, with three kids, though, and the age that my older two, like the 12 year old, my oldest son, he has his babysitter's course and all that. So you get a bit yeah. of help with the younger one. And you can kind of delegate some shit, you know, that's good. That helps for sure. Yeah. yeah. When you can start employing them to do the work you don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and honestly, uh, virtual school, a lot of people have been stressed out about and i know it's different but for me i gotta say i like it because when the two older kids are doing virtual school i don't have to get up an extra hour early and drive through the snow in the middle of february and always be the dad that's late there used to be this lady in the office that would just give me the stink eye every time like i was the worst human being because i was always five minutes late um yeah. but that's you know, their only that's their power though that's their oh, only power yeah, yeah. is to to judge you for being late yeah my girlfriend runs into the same problem when she drops her daughter off at school or used to Oh, well, I worked security yeah. for 10 years. So all I met was dudes with the short man complex and people abusing mm -hmm. their little smidgen of power. And yeah, I can't stand that shit. Okay. Now you're the victim of it. Yeah, I suppose. Right? You're, you, well, no, you're not the victim of it. Sorry. Yeah. But you're meeting the bouncer on the way into school. Yeah. Right. So you were security. Yeah. So now you're meeting security. How's it feel on the other end? Not well, too I mean, good. I wouldn't call her security, but I suppose in, in some sense she is. Um, yeah, security. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like when people are needlessly rude, just like I didn't like it when I worked security. I think there's a, a nice way to do that kind of a job. And there's a dick way to do that kind of job, a job. And I feel like a lot of the people that gravitate towards that job, unfortunately, are the dickish kind. Uh, yeah i mean there is a sense of power with a job like that so yeah see i never felt that as a security guard because you know there's cops and all these tiers that are so much higher than you i always felt like a stupid rent-a-cop loser you know i never mm, i did security once um <laughs> once uh on boxing day this would have been 94 95 uh i was security at la senza the woman's <laughs> lingerie shop at the Rideau Center. Interesting choice. I, I was a stock boy there, so I would uh, I just hung out in the back room. It was a pretty good job. Yeah, I was gonna say. I'd hang out in the back. I would hang out in the back room, and the boxes would come in. I'd have to take them out, organize them by size, put them on racks, and yeah, the girls working at Licenza would come in and just you know gossip about what's going on on the floor. Loved wow. it. And then uh, yeah, on Boxing Day, I had to sit out front with a shirt that said security in front of just to make sure no one was stealing anything well some of that shit's expensive. i didn't care but yeah i mean every store had a, a security guard out front on boxing day not every store but almost every store so yeah that was me but then friends from high school would walk by security <laughs> what do you think you're doing yeah well i'm just standing here security doesn't mean you have to have muscles and take someone down for stealing underwear just making yeah. sure no one's stealing underwear and i'm not even really making sure of that well, even I worked in security uh, as like a commissioner. So I was at a lot of like official government places and they still tell you, you're just supposed to basically call the police. If anything happens, there's no intervening. And if you're one of those idiots that wants to do that, you're not technically doing the job right. So, well, yeah. And also, you know, just take it easy, you know, because yeah. it's, it's not your stuff. Yeah. It's not worth getting stabbed for minimum wage. No, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Or it's not even worth having an argument. I, if someone stole, lingerie from the Losenza, I'd probably just be like, all right, just don't do it next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if someone catches you doing that, then you're out of there. So well, that's fine. Then we'll get a paper out. <laughs> yeah, it would. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like kind of a sweet job, though. Like you said, that might be one you want to fight for. No, it was all right. But let's be honest, at the end of the day, you're still in a stock room unboxing things with an exacto yeah, blade. It's, still it's not the greatest. Labor. Worked at the Dairy Queen on Bank Street in Ottawa South. Okay um worked yep. at a butcher shop on uh, the same area across the street uh yeah worked at a, had a lot of jobs i heard that you uh in another interview <laughs> you got fired from tree planting for like i did doing less work essentially no i stashed trees uh at the end of the day i had maybe five or six trees in my bag and they were they were wrecked anyway they weren't going to be planted and so i'm like fuck it i just put them in the earth and that's a no-no in the tree planting business they call it stashing trees or they did back then and they asked me flat out did you stash trees and i just said yep i probably could have got away with it but i admitted to it and then uh yeah that was it 
I was made an example of, as I should have been. Then uh, I was put on. But the worst part was when I got fired from tree planting, we were up in, uh, where were we? We were two hours east of Thunder Bay. I can't remember the town. Geraldton, Ontario. That's where we were. Wild Goose Lake Resort. And uh, it's not a resort, by the way. Um, And... (laughs) So I got fired, but the next bus that came through to take me home wasn't for another two days. So I was fired, then had to hang around with everyone. So imagine you're on a job, you get fired, then you have to stay at your job for two more days. And those were days off. So everyone was, I was just milling about with people and everyone knew I was fired. Brutal. And then I had to, uh, yeah, then it was a 24 hour bus ride from Geraldton, Ontario to Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. You made some money at least though, before the incident? Hell no. I made very little money. I think I walked away with a couple hundred. That's it. Hmm. I used mm-hmm. to know a girl who was really into tree planting and I always kind of wondered, I mean, I guess to save the planet or whatever, but it seemed like really, really physical work. It is. Yeah. Very grueling and demanding. And all are the ideal, like you picture it in your mind, like you're going to be prancing through fields with butterflies and dropping seeds into the earth. But then you get there and it's like, snow in the morning because you're up north so you not snow you get frost in the morning and then it would get bugs mosquitoes black flies clouds of them and then you're walking through you know ridiculous terrain and swamp and marsh and you're soaked and then the sun comes out and you're burnt and yeah it's it's hell it's grueling yeah i mean people can make money at it if you can if you have good land and you can really fly yeah you can plant a bunch of trees you can make good money but that was not my experience at all yeah it doesn't sound like a blast to me no. Um, regarding what do, we need, resources. what do we need trees for anyway? <laughs> oh, they're slowly, slowly getting cut down. I'm sure. Um, yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, I, I don't know much about that stuff, but uh, that's what I had always heard that we're killing rainforest and <laughs> that we need trees. Yeah. To breathe. Oh no, yeah. of course. Yeah. But I takes, I'm, I'm not the person to repopulate the uh, population of trees. Yeah. You know, me neither. like I, I, I love those who do, but I would uh, donate towards that cause, but I'm not going to physically do it. I, I, I tried to do it. And then I realized, you know what? Support the others who like doing it. Yeah. There you go. At least you mm-hmm. gave it a shot. Um, regarding humor resources, I wanted to ask you before I forget, is there any comics that you wanted to get involved that for whatever reason didn't work out? Because Kyle and I were talking about how just the comics you included were very diverse, whether we're talking LGBTQ, women, people of color, but also disability. Uh, and then also just the range between superstar comedians and then sort of the rising stars that are on their way up. So, um, was there anyone that you really wish could have been part of it? Oh, I mean, there's so many people that I wish could have been part of it, but there's only so many places. I think we got everyone we wanted to. Um, Amy Schumer was going to do it. And then, I mean, her schedule is just crazy. So I'd spoken to her and she was going to do it, but then had to drop out, um, which is fine. That was the only dropout, which is great. Oh, you got we, huge weren't, we, weren't, we weren't sure, you know, whose schedule was going to pick up and whose was going to stay quiet. And if people were just going to be fearful of a camera operator in PPE gear, dropping off camera equipment. Um, so we weren't sure if some people were going to drop out or not, but no one did. So it was great. But to, yeah, to uh, address Kyle's or the conversation you had with Kyle, um, yeah, we when we pitched this show, we structured it as a, um, you know, kind of like in Canada, you'd have like the MC middle act feature. Not that we stayed with that structure for every episode, but that was kind of the feel we wanted was, you know, here's your first guest, your next guest and your last guest. And so that's kind of how we structured it and pitched it to uh, to the CBC. Um but yeah, I don't think there was any real motivation to do that other than we wanted, you know, people we loved and knew and people who could have fun with it. So, for instance, uh, there's an episode with uh, Rory Scoville, who's a friend of mine, and we have played an improv together, you know, many times. So I know he'd be great. And then we have Arthur Simeon, who I think is so funny. And uh, he has a great relationship with my sister. And I know he's a person that's playful. And then we have Deborah Giovanni in one episode. And to me, that's kind of an ideal episode are those three people, you know? And that hasn't aired um, yet, that one, right? No, not yet. Well, after it has, it's, it's, this will air your podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. After that airs. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but that's ideal for me because all of those people are confident, funny, um, and have like their own, 
their own style and approach to to stand up. So, Definitely. I mean, it was less about big names, but the big names help. So you try and get, you know, people with the followings like Tom Green and Eric Andre. Sarah um, Silverman, yeah. Silverman, yeah. She's perfect in so many ways. She might be, if not my favorite, one of them up there. How do you pick a favorite, right? Oh, there's, well, yeah, I'm looking at you. Come on. No, I'm not even joking, man. I mean, I got to jump to that maybe even just, just to sort of weigh in there is that you've made me laugh, first of all, out loud in a way that I don't know. Very few comics have made me laugh that loud and just boisterously. I can't control it um, oh, at boy. your shows, especially. But even when I watch your stuff on YouTube, I don't know why. It's just such a quirky you lead me at my brain one way and then just fucking throw it in a blender with half your jokes and uh oh, oh. um yeah honestly i'm gonna tell you a couple of those memories because one i think was just something i i've talked about on this show before but you came out this i would have been with my ex-wife i think so probably about 10 years ago at yuck yucks and uh you came out and for like 10 minutes you did you did the like okay all right to try to oh. like calm the audience. But then you literally did that for like 10 minutes in different sort of intonations. And you saw a guy with his feet up on the chair and you're like, okay, all right. And you just kept like, and it was one of the most wow. things I've ever seen, man, because um, it would, it would kind of like lose its momentum and then it would come back around and just the sheer length right. you stretched it out for while having everybody pissing their pants. It's a memory I'll never forget. That's interesting. Yeah. I, there's no way it was 10 minutes. That's for sure. It felt like it, but in the best yeah, way. You yeah. Know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, yeah, thanks. Yeah. That used to be fun to do. That was kind of just, I don't know where that comes from other than wasting people's time a little bit, but there's gotta be something funny in when will this end? Okay. It's going to end. It's not going to end yeah. losing people then maybe getting them back. Um, and it's ballsy too. Like uh, from, I haven't done nearly as much comedy as you, but to sort of commit to that kind of a joke, and then execute it perfectly is something that I had a lot of respect for watching. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I mean, I guess, yeah. Uh, I don't know if ballsy is the best reason to do something though. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm not I think saying that's, that was that's the reason. A, no. Oh, right, right, right. I, I okay. Yeah. But yeah. just watching well, thank it, you. I, I should like, just God say, damn, like that's, yeah. you know, just a hardcore bit where you're just using these two words and kind of changing the way you're saying them. And you're playing off that whole like longevity of how long can you take it? Um, might, and I, I almost, have to try, I might have to try that again. Yeah, you should, man. And, yeah. and I honestly, I, another thing I love about your comedy is that you have this degree of acting involved that I think you're quite a talented at, at fooling us in that sense. So like with that bit, the whole time I was wondering, like, is he, is this the thing he planned or is he just improving this? I really can't tell with you because you're the master of the deadpan and uh, much, much like your other bit where you did a just for laughs thing I watched the other day and you forget, or you pretend rather to forget the punchline to your joke. But right. I really believed at the beginning that you were like unable to remember it, like, and that it wasn't a bit and that I was going to just see you do a recovery or whatever. And obviously it turned out to be a bit, but anyways, I, I just think yeah. your, your, your range is, is insane. I know I'm kind of oh, blowing hot air for your thanks. ass right now, but no, well, I, that, that was, uh, that was a really fun thing to do um, was yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like, cause there has to be, if they know you're just joking, then the bit wouldn't work. So you'd have to convince the audience that this is real. And I'm sure there are, there are people in the audience who know it's a bit, but as long as you can kind of keep most of the audience wondering, is this real or is this not real? Because they have to empathize with you. You have to, they have, you have to get the audience to go, Oh no, if that were me, I'd feel so embarrassed there. I feel yeah. embarrassed for this person. <laughs> so if you can get people spinning, in that moment, a little bit of manipulation, then, um, yeah, that, that was a really, that used to be a really fun one to do. And that, that was that idea, by the way, of forgetting a joke, uh, and then taking a tape recorder out that had the joke on it to remind you was born out of a real, uh, a, a real thing that happened to me when I was in near London, Ontario, doing a one nighter. I remember standing, there was a me, then a pool table, then the audience of people at like the equivalent of a Legion hall. It wasn't a Legion hall, but I kind of had that basement feel to it. And, uh, yeah, I forgot a joke. It was just a horrible show and things weren't going well. And I wasn't in my, in my mind and I forgot a joke. And then I thought on the drive home, I'm like, I know I have a tape recorder with this joke on it and I'll listen to it when I get home. And then I'm like, Oh, that would have been great. if I had the tape recorder with me. And then boom, it just happened. Oh, I should probably, you know, try that on stage where I convince the audience I've forgotten it, then play it. Yeah. But then you later take it to the point where you play it and the guy on the tape 
it's a, another performance it's, where you have forgotten it. So I forgot it on like, that performance. Yeah. Joke-ception which was horrible that that happened because yeah. then I didn't, but then I, re- I have a tape recorder with me when I do the jokes, so, but then I taped over that with uh, guns and roses, I think <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyway, exactly. the whole thing didn't work out is what I'm getting at. It's, yeah. No, uh, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, filled with the errors. other, uh, the other thing I wanted to tell you as far as personal memories I had from your shows uh, and arguably the reason I ended up trying stand up later, and I think I've done okay at it, um, is that I saw, again, you at Yuck Yucks, I believe, and this time I was in the front row and you had some kind of a bit that involved bringing someone for the audience to read from this small book of yours and you were like yelling at me from an imaginary helicopter or something something about spaghetti i I have like fragments of this in my mind but it was the first time i got on stage and i felt like i was sort of helping oh no way yeah no no joke you you read from the the little book yeah yeah a book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll be honest. I cannot remember that. But I know I was yelling at someone in a helicopter. Yeah. And, and I had to read the, these lines you already had in the book and they got more and more ridiculous, kind of making yeah. a fool of me in the process. But I loved every minute of it. Um, so, yeah, I yeah. don't know. It's just, just uh, a couple of really cool memories that definitely helped make me get more interested. Oh, right on. Trying to do awesome. Better. Well, that's great. How's it going? I mean, um, I know we're in a pandemic, so that's probably yeah. Not. And I, I try to never uh, boast because I think that I'm definitely like an intermediate comedian. I've I've done well when I've done it, but I've never had the commitment level to be like you know headlining on weekends or or traveling a bunch. But uh, but mm. I've bombed very few times. I, I'm a cheater, I guess, in that I do comedy songs a lot of times. So some people don't like guitar comics. I've heard that kind of oh I see hazing sometimes, but. Um, um, well, yeah, it sounds like the stand-up career, and you're already speaking somewhat negatively about it because it sounds like you're listening to influences of others because you're saying, I do stand-up comedy, and then you've been hard on yourself about something you love doing, which are the guitar songs, right? I mean, I'm not hard on myself. I actually think I'm pretty proud of them, but uh, I, I was more speaking to the fact that I've heard comics say, like, oh, he's a guitar comic or you get that vibe if you're in a competition that you're kind of cheating because you have this extra like edge that they I don't know how to play guitar, so I can't do that. You Why know? don't we find a better way of talking about ourselves? So how about just a suggestion? But instead of saying I, things like I'm just a guitar comic or I'm one of those guitar comics or you cheat, which is a word you use. Well, these are not my I, words. <laughs> these are just but it's a word you used. It became true, your true. word. You took on that language. That fair, fair. And, and you use it to describe yourself. And I'm, I have concerns, but it's also none of my business. <laughs> no, no, please. I think I think why don't why, let's try saying uh, my name's Oliver. I'm a stand up comedian. I also use my guitar in my act. Let's try that. My name's Oliver. I'm a stand-up comedian, and I also use my guitar in my act. Look at the smile on your face. I think yeah. your self-esteem is just elevated as well. Your self-confidence, you're happy. Oh, man. I don't think you should say things like uh, cheat. I cheat because I do guitar comedy. If you love it, you should do it. It doesn't matter. Well, that's the anxiety, though. That's what I'm telling you about. Thanks you know? for coming on the show. Uh, oh, no, this is your show. <laughs> oh, man. No, I feel, I feel cleansed a little bit from that experience. I'm not going to lie. Well, we should. Well, yeah. Lying is another thing. Uh, don't lie. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, yeah. Let's start talking about ourselves in a, in a more positive way. No, you're right. Pandemic's got me down, I guess. Yeah, it's got all of us down. No, some people have. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I think uh, speak positively about yourself and uh, everything. Everything you're doing, you should be proud of and be happy. No, you're right. Thank you. It's actually good advice I but what do i know it. i don't know anything i don't know i'd say you know a lot you got a an awesome show on tv right now so there you got that I mean, look at that you're telling me to speak more positively about myself yeah it works i'm yeah. learning from you wow um okay, okay. <laughs> I, sure. I don't want to forget this last thing about human resources because i thought it was very something we should mention especially due to your your job on that show but you've been receiving this inappropriate fan art Leave and, it. Uh, you leave may it. May have found the culprit. I believe. Leave it. Just leave it. Leave it. Don't even. Not interested. Not interested in. I find. I've. I've discovered the more I talk about fan art, I've been receiving, and the more I ask people not to send fan art, they send it. So I think I've. I realized the mistake I made. 
I should never, I should have just accepted it and not brought it to people's attention and it would have faded away. And now that I've asked people not to, they seem to send more. So yeah, I, I, if it's okay with you, for sure, I would prefer not to talk about this fan art. Uh, I thought you had found this Dan guy from high school. Okay, so here you go. Just leave it. Leave it. <laughs> okay, okay. Yes. Yeah, so there's Dan. Dan yes. Uh, look it. Okay. Here's the problem. <laughs> so yeah, I'd receive fan art from multiple sources, but one source in particular kept the inundated me. My DMs were filled with inappropriate. Some I couldn't even share uh, with other with 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 my social media accounts, but uh, at TV's John Dor at TV's John Dor on Twitter and Instagram, and I, this one person who I finally discovered uh, was someone I went to high school with. I don't remember them, but during a food fight in the cafeteria, uh, I threw an unopened can of Diet Coke and had hit them in the head with it. Um, and you know the, the he was a casualty i mean i've been hit with things in a food fight in the cafeteria he was a casualty of the situation that we were all active participants in um but he's held on to that grudge for a long time and i guess he saw the promotion for our cbc show humor resources and tracked me down and started making uh, sexually suggestive artwork of uh, of me i'll say it again sexually suggestive <laughs> artwork of me um so i put up a few examples on my social media um of artwork i would prefer not to receive and then i started getting more artwork uh which i don't like so yes dan is his name apparently he went to brookfield high school in ottawa ontario canada and um he holds a grudge and i'm worried i don't know what this guy this man is capable of well, if uh, if I see him walking around the streets, I'll try and uh, alert the authorities. Uh, OK, I would uh, be careful with this man. This, this man is not he, he's not stable. OK, I'll so just be careful. I, and if you're going to try and change his life, uh, as I accidentally changed his life in high school, apparently uh, he will he, he will get into the, the cracks of your life and uh, <laughs> surface in weird ways. He's like uh, he, he's like a, uh, a carbon uh, uh, is it monoxide, carbon monoxide yeah. leak in your house. He just you can't you can't see it coming. You can't even really smell it coming. And all of a sudden you're like, uh oh, something's wrong. So I think I'll uh, take a nap and then you're out. He'll lull you to sleep. And uh, <laughs> if you're lucky enough to wake up, your your new reality is not a good one. OK, I'm going to look. I don't, that was probably a terrible analogy. It is. I'm not proud of that analogy at all. Well, let's retake it. service announcement about Dan, though. Let's retake it. You'll edit that part out. Here we go. Dan <laughs> is like a um, a library book you forgot to return. All of a sudden, the city wants their money. And you're like, what? I don't even remember this. OK, let's <laughs> cut that one out. Let's do a better one. OK, Keep going. Dan is like a car battery. You know what? Just stay away from Dan. That's probably the easiest way to say it. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Dan can it fuck off. More. It, it didn't need the support of an analogy. It could have just said that. Those were pretty good, though. No, I think I failed. The car battery had potential, but I bailed on it. Uh, the library <laughs> book was weak and uh, the carbon monoxide leak was not even close. It did not mirror his behavior at all. OK, well, we'll just move on from Dan altogether then. Uh, I want to go back in I would time. like that. Back like in that. time to the John Doerr television show. Let's not show. say his name anymore. Yeah, I will not say again. Dan. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, okay, John Doerr television show. I loved this show, uh, 2007 to 2009. And this was a fictionalized version of yourself tackling life Sorry, issues. Oliver, oh, one, yeah, no one, problem. Sec, one sec. Come on in here. Get in here. What do you need? What do you want? I don't fit. Where's your mother? <laughs> I told you I was busy in here. Are you? F Come here. Get over yeah. here. Get over here. I have to prove to Oliver that you exist. Otherwise, she thinks you're just talking to no one. Get over here. Well, if she can hear me, I want to say good job, Emma. You did a really good job on, on John's show. She can't hear you because I have the headphones in. Come here. He's oh. complimenting you. No. Okay, then get out. <laughs> get out of here. Fine. No, I, I have to do this. So you have to either. You should go this wake your mama. Amazing. No. Come here. I don't want that. I don't want that. Hi. Oliver said good job on the show. He watched it. Okay. Yeah, you did really good. <laughs> Wake your mother up right now. The Wake fact your that mother this is happening up. Now is just Wake amazing. your mother up. Get out of here. Wake your mother up. Okay. So sorry, Oliver. Can oh, I put a pin even... in this for a second? Yeah. 
Um, okay, can you go wake your mom up? No. Can I go get her food real quick? Yeah. I'll be back in two seconds. Is that yeah. right? Do we, should we just keep it rolling? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I can edit this part out when you get up or whatever. I'm definitely leaving Emma in, though. That was hilarious. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, I'll be right back. Yeah, no sweat. Two dude. seconds, honestly. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Just keep it recording? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sorry, dude. One sec. <laughs> oh, Emma? Man. Yeah. I told you not to interrupt me. Hey, Oliver. Hey, what's up? Just taking this opportunity to fill up my coffee. Two seconds. Yeah, no problem. All right. Sorry, man. Yeah, no problem. Sorry about that. No problem at all. Kids got to eat. See, see what we're dealing with here? It's like, <laughs> it's not easy, man. Yeah, well, when they get older, you can at least start to teach them to cook and help out in the kitchen and stuff. Yeah, but the food would be gross. <laughs> it can be subpar at times. Let's be honest. It would be, because her idea of what a dinner would be, would, I mean, it would be Nutella and macaroni and cheese mixed together. Oh, gross. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that'd be gross. nasty. Well, you have to supervise for sure. But you should, you should be able to get kids a shot where they don't have to eat for a month. Like every month they get like an injection and it's like, there, that's your food for the, for the month. Oh man. It'd be a I lot easier. That, uh, I don't know if that's any kind of come anytime soon. I don't think. Yeah. We're not there yet. We can only dream, but that's the way the world should be. Um, going back to uh, what I was going to get into, which was uh, the John Dor television show, Canadian award uh, comedy award winning for both your performance and writing. I remember watching this when it was on the comedy network back in the day and was it uh, award winning. Yeah. Canadian comedy award winning. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's what I read. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I'll check my facts, but I'm pretty sure. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I figured you would have remembered, but no, I, I honestly do not. Um, but you know, yeah, there was one for best performance. That's the problem with diazepam. So many <laughs> things I don't remember. No effects. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know that song. Yeah. Okay. Just I in case. I haven't for, listened for... to them since I was a teenager, but yeah, I'm sure I've heard that. I had a lot of buddies who were super into no effects and mm -hmm. playing at parties a lot. Um, anyways, John Dor television show. You played a fictionalized version of yourself, tackling a lot of issues, and you did these sort of quasi-real interviews with people where I feel like they knew they were being interviewed for some sort of comedy thing, but... At the same time, I wondered if you had ever offended anybody because I watched the cat litter one and I, and I felt like they might have been a little hurt. Um, the litter house or what I believe it was called litter house. Yeah, I think it was the litter house. I know the one you're talking about. That was a an episode where you basically make... said like, no, this wouldn't be that hard. Like I can make this right. <laughs> well, yes, I was inappropriate, but that was the whole point. But okay, let's go back a bit here. So that was an episode of the Jundra television show where um, I was trying to earn cash quick. Yeah. So uh, I thought I'd interview an inventor um, because I thought that could be a cash quick scheme and um, to, only to realize there are several steps involved in patenting, to, to patent your, your, your invention and to get funding for it. So it wouldn't work, but... Um, I talked to the creators of the litter house, which was a cat house that doesn't stink. I don't know. And you can put dead dolls um, in the window. I barely, I barely remember it, to be honest. But I do know that uh, I, I think that they were fine with the interview. Everyone we ever interviewed, for the most part, I can think of maybe two exceptions, uh, were absolutely fine with it. Because going into those interviews, we explained that I'm the fool who's going to mm. ask really stupid questions and it is okay. a comedy show. And we would like you to speak about this area of your expertise. Um, so that's all we'd really tell them. And for the most part, yeah, everyone was happy to be involved. Yeah. I was just I'm curious so. if you'd have ever had to sort of say afterwards, like, Hey, I was just roasting you or, you know, I didn't really mean what I said kind of thing. No, they knew because I would meet them before and they met, yeah. you know, the civilized version of me. And then they'd meet the sophomore juvenile version of me who's interviewing them to extract information in an ignorant way. And they, they would always come across as the expert and they would have to be the expert depending on who they were. Like they had, because they're sometimes representing companies or their field and they would have to correct any 
dumb, you know, errors that I would make in assumptions, uh, which was, I thought pretty funny. Um, but yeah, that cat house specifically, I don't think they were upset. I think they were, they were there to sell their products. So they were very concerned about their image and what they were saying. Uh, Cause this was an opportunity for them on a television show to get their product out again into yeah. uh, media and television. Um, so yeah, they weren't upset. So we did one interview with uh, an environmental expert. I can't remember their specific title at the moment, but um, they were very upset and we didn't air this because mid interview, <laughs> she, she wouldn't use the word fart. <laughs> she, she was taught. Well, it was look just the way she, she felt like, yeah, that's the way she came out. And I think she was also running for municipal government. I can't remember exactly, but anyway, there was a reason why she did not want uh, to say the word fart or be included in a conversation that had the word fart, but she was talking about environmental concerns and uh, methane, methane mm. gas. And I, then I would say, oh, a fart. And she would not say it. And then it, the, it, the interview for a while became about me trying to get her to say this word, <laughs> which is totally juvenile and rude and disgusting. But she asked us to stop, which we did. And she asked us not to put that in the show. And we did not put it in the show. Um, of course, we would respect them. So that was an instance. And it's a dumb example of just something someone was concerned about. And yeah, That's people funny have different things. Uh, but the only other one we did in the second episode we ever made, it's not that the person had a problem with the interview. They liked the interview. But when they saw the show and their interview surrounded by other things, uh, they didn't know the entire context of the show. So we interviewed no. a, a Buddhist monk um and uh afterwards he was not happy with some of the other material in the television show so he called to complain about that but i think those are the only two real problems we ran up against that's not too bad then that's pretty good batting average yeah but if you're looking at batting average stats we did well but it only <laughs> takes one to take you down yeah that's true that was very intense. Um, I wanted to ask you, I read online that there was at one point possibly going to be a John Doerr television show movie. Is there any truth to that? No. Uh, oh, no. Well, I mean, I would love to make one. I, I had thought for, I mean, I think it would make a good movie of the week, but I don't think it would make sense to, for the network to pay for it. Uh, it would be hard to get the right amount of money to do it properly. Because if we were going to do the John Doerr television show, the movie of the week show, it would be, we'd try and make it pretty big. Um, yeah, that would be great. I just imagine instead of playing with the conventions of television, playing with the conventions of film, which would be fun. So, so not that they're that different, but just in scale and scope. So we yeah. do like bigger car chase scenes, uh, pyrotechnics you know, maybe, and stuff. Maybe like a roof squibs and running on rooftops um, for act. <laughs> action movie satire i want to see this think, movie so bad now i think things like that would be fun uh and i think it'd be a good time to do it now too actually but uh, yeah i think maybe maybe that ship sailed i don't know it's never uh, too it late be a lot of fun i think it would be uh you know uh starting a cult would be good maybe i decide <laughs> I, I think we do an episode about legacy so the movie is john lives live, leaves a legacy and ultimately, so I try all these things, like, do I get myself taxidermied, uh, build a statue of myself? Uh, do I have children who that my legacy would live on through my genetics being passed on to another generation? So you find out all these other things, you go down all these other roads only to realize that uh, building a cult is the only way my legacy can live on. Um, so I think that would be fun. And then you talk about the dangers of indoctrination, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that would be a fun movie to make, but uh, it's probably too late for that. I don't no, know. you know what? Yeah. Positive maybe, attitudes, John. Maybe it's not too late. For yeah, that. You can do it. You can write it. There you right. go. I could write it. Nice. I'm going to look out for it now. Um, I was going to say, uh, I saw one of the flashbacks where you were a little kid and you have a beard. Oh, love. Yes. Sorry. I wasn't looking yes. at the moment. Yes, um, I do have uh, I did the person who played me, we found a, a, a young kid with a beard. Too. Well, I was just going to ask when's the last time you were actually clean shaven. Cause I could not find an image of you anywhere on the internet without a beard. Yeah. That's a great question. I think it's a really, really good question. Um, I think <laughs> that's a weird one. Time <laughs> I was clean shaven. No, it's, a, um, I don't know. There must've been a time. 
Well, the like, show would imply recently. otherwise. No, did I have to shave my beard at one point for anything? I, you know what? I had shaved my beard in 2005. I think that might be the last time. Wow, 16 years. Damn. It's quite the streak. Yeah. Because I've had somewhere, uh, like, I generally like to keep, you know, whatever I got going on, a bit of a five o'clock shadow, not as thick as yours. Um, but whenever I do end up shaving it off, it's once every couple of years when I fuck up when I'm shaving and I just make some kind of irreversible, yeah. you know, mistake. And I don't want to do the I don't want to do the Tony Stark thing. I've done that. It makes me look like a douchebag. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I a little like uh, Van Dyke or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I look like an evil twin. I did it for my headshots, actually. I just took some recently, and I did it because I looked so evil as soon as I had that kind of goatee. uh, So you thought, oh, I could be cast as the the evil um, dictator, right? Or just the villain of whatever sort, you know? Or just a villain. Or just a villain. villain. Yeah, I'm open. (laughs) Um, Yeah, interesting because when you do, I live with those mistakes because I make them when I'm trimming and doing things. You got to you got to maintain your beard. Like you have to. You do shampoo. Do you shampoo your beard? No, I've never bought any of those. I don't think mine's long enough. I keep it pretty. You know, it's not that long. Not as thick as yours by any means. Yeah, your borderline beard. Yeah, I mean, this is yeah. I shaved yesterday. To be fair. Like I, if you saw me in a week, there are times. Be, be where fair it, to yourself. Yes. You shaved yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did. But yeah. So, but there's, it looks like what's going on here with you. I don't know. I just never had a lot of hair in this section. Oh, okay. That's what it is. So you didn't trim there. Okay. Oh, I do trim it a little shorter. I don't actually cut it off, but I use the different, and do you, you know, do you have uh is it kind of blonde hair that grows in here? Is I got a bit of fair? red hair, a little bit of like oh, uh, oh. injury and then some white yeah. ones now too. So it's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. This patch here. Yeah. Well, so the uh, I would go and trim. And if I ever made a mistake, I'd have to live with it because for me to shave my whole beard off, I it'd be very difficult for me to look in the mirror. It's weird. And accept myself. And it would it, it would affect who I am when interacting with the general public. My dad is uh, a dude who's always had a mustache, like since I was a kid. Love him. There was once or twice that he had to shave it off and it like terrified us. It was so weird. He looked like he had such a small mouth compared to just his face space that we were used to seeing, you know, face space. (laughs) Yeah. The, I, the mustache is an interesting one because that one I think is more uh, like if you had a beard and shaved it for some reason, that's uh, a little more, a little less, uh, drastic a change but if you have if you had the mustache for a long time then shaved it it's a completely different thing i feel the only exception to that rule to me is matt o'brien you know comedian matt O'Brien. yeah i just saw his on instagram when he did that yeah i did too and i'll be honest no mustache i I, mustache or no mustache the man can pull it off yeah no he's a good looking chap yeah but i'm talking about the mustache specifically here like no yeah it's true i'm saying he could pull off either look i agree with you Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. So um, the, uh, but going back to the beard, when you do shave your beard, but it may not be thick enough, you do you go in stages where you like, you shave the beard, leave the goatee. And then this is all happening, you know, as you're looking in the mirror. Yeah. I have and different. Then, so you come down to goatee and then you go to like, you lose this full Fu Manchu, right? And then you go up to mustache and then everyone goes down to the Charlie Chaplin just to see what it looks like. And then they get rid of it. Yeah. That's the process. What is it? Nine steps? I do it. uh, The last time I shaved my beard, I had to do it. uh, Five steps for me. Five steps. Okay. But you can make it. Yeah. As many increments as you want. Yeah. You could leave big lamb chops here and shave the rest. And then the the most interesting I have seen is the, uh, the monkey tail. I don't know if you know what this is. It's when they grow a sideburn down all the way. It comes up and then does a curls around and there's nothing on the other side. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's funny though. (laughs) Yeah. Look it up on Google and you'll laugh your ass off for sure. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, uh, about you, you seem to work a lot with this Adam Brody fellow and, uh, not Academy award. I don't know if he's won an award, but not Hollywood actor, Adam Brody, just for Mm. clarification. But, uh, I was wondering when did that comedic partnership sort of start up? I, well, you need to include Dave Duralaney as well. Adam Brody, Dave Duralaney. They are a directing team. They are a a two headed Hydra. If that even makes sense. I think so. Yeah. They are um, a two headed monster. They come, they come as a team and they've always worked together. Um, Yeah. They worked on the John Doerr television show during season one. Uh, the production company, I was trying to convince the production company they'd be great directors. 
um, but they thought they were a little novice, young. Um, so they directed our webisodes. We did six really fun John Doerr television show webisodes. Um, and they did an incredible job and then got them hired to do season two. And they're just brilliant. They have a very particular sense of humor. Um, yeah, they work a lot and they're meticulous and they write and they're concerned about story and structure and laughs. And yeah, they love sad characters. So most of the work I do with them, like just for laughs, we did a sketch show for several years in a row and they helped write, they wrote and directed everything. Um, How did you meet those guys? In Toronto. Yeah, they were part of a sketch group called Knock Knock Who's There Comedy. Okay. With Aaron Eves and Katie Crown and Adam Brody and Dave Duralaney. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I saw them perform once and lost my mind. It was the funniest, most interesting sketch I'd seen. I mean, Mr. Show. Yeah, of course. It was great. Um, kids in the Hall. Kids in the Hall, great. And then... I used to watch the comedy. too. Did you ever watch The State? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Stella. The State. Stella, yeah, that was one of the spinoffs, right? Yeah. I preferred Stella to The State, but yeah, good. But any, but Knock Knock Who's There Comedy, before you hijack this conversation, Sorry. Oliver. <laughs> um, yeah, brilliant stand-up comedy, or br- brilliant sketch comedy. Um, and yeah, they, they met in film school in Toronto. And yeah, it, Knock Knock Who's There Comedy is probably the funniest Anyway, I'd go see these guys in Toronto by myself because friends of mine, like whatever, weren't into sketch or whatever. They're comics. And, but I'd find out, oh, they're playing at Tim Sims Playhouse. Like, I got to go. So I'd just go and I'd sit at the back and watch. And it was the most interesting deconstruction of sketches. Uh, it was satirical. It was modern. reference things that were... Uh, it was just so smart and funny. So, yeah, I love those guys. And then you find out they're directors and they make, you know, their own little films. And anyway, go well, to Adam and Dave. some great stuff together. Go to adamanddave.com because they are they're absolute geniuses so i'm very lucky to be able to work with those guys yeah no you guys have made great stuff they're um, jerks too <laughs> you've known them for After a long all time now i guess eh? like 15 years yeah ago. we well we we work together like if there's anything i'm going to pitch and bring to a network it would always go through the adam and dave filter um and then the three awesome. of us would work on it and then bring it to a network so yeah that's awesome man um mm-hmm. i wanted to know just you starting out with comedy i i was wanting to ask if you had a really funny family just because your sister Allison, she hosts mm. the breakdown. She also was a CEO of Helen roar, which does comedy records. So mm-hmm. I, with you guys both being so into comedy, I just was wondering if you have hilarious parents or just a really funny family. Well, I, yeah, I'm, I don't know. My, my, yeah, I mean, my dad's funny. My mom's funny, but you know, they're not funny. I don't know. Like we are. Yeah. I don't know. It's a hard question to answer. Yeah. They're, they're funny people. I guess it's just interesting uh, that you and your sister both turned out to have, you know, such uh Well, my sister was an act. My sister, well, maybe, yeah, we were hooked on praise at a young age, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Um, and my, my sister actually, while I was, you know, slowly in, becoming an introvert in high school and not knowing what was going on, my sister was expressing interest in acting and would do school plays and that kind of thing so she was the first one to really dive into that kind of stuff hmm. and then i i when i started studying tv broadcasting at algonquin that's when i realized oh my god there's so much fun to be had and you can be creative and, and you know edits and direct things and write things and then i got into stand-up comedy um after first year of taking uh television broadcasting so then yeah so I don't know. I think opportunity presented itself, but it was probably some sort of defense mechanism trying to be funny. And then not long after all that, I guess you would have gotten into Canadian Idol, which I had totally forgotten you you were part mm-hmm. of that. But then when I read it, I was like, oh, yeah. 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 We, we, so, I, yeah, I graduated from Algonquin College and I did three years of co-hosting Rogers Daytime. Oh, that's right. Cable, and then built a, you know, a ridiculous demo reel because that's what you did back then i'm sure you still do but uh i was submitted that when they were uh having auditions for the correspondent role on canadian idol and yeah that was a lengthy crazy process but that was you know fun to finally get the phone call asking if i could be in winnipeg in three days hell yeah um yeah 
That must have been a pretty fun gig, Canadian Idol. That was great. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, travel the country, hang out in hotels, you know, meet the locals, go out to bars. The work was easy but fun. You had to interview people. And yeah, the process of making that show was probably, you know, more fun than the final product. But uh, final product was great. But it was, uh, yeah, it was really fun. Well, and reality yeah, TV was like blowing up huge at that point, too. Yeah, I guess so. Well, Pop Idol and American Idol had already proven to be success stories. And then to bring it to Canada and use Canadian producers and talent to make that show, I thought it was great. Showcased some amazing singers from Newfoundland and everywhere, you know, all across the country. But uh, yeah, you got to go and just see how music is such a part of, you know, Atlantic East Coast culture and across the board. But yeah, it was so fun to do. Yeah. Got to hang out with Enmel Beard, Judges. Sass Jordan. Oh, yeah. Farley Flex. Farley, yeah. Good man. He's got a cool name, that guy. Farley <laughs> Flex? I don't know. It you, sounds like a should, pimp or something. You should tweet at him. Oh, yeah? Wouldn't, probably wouldn't say that, but... <laughs> well, yeah, maybe not that. Um, yeah. Man, I, I just saw, again, a skit that I really love of yours that I showed to my kids last night. Um, first of all, it was on Conan, but I should mention you were also the first featured comic on Conan when he rebooted his show on the TBS network. Uh, it was surprisingly, the date was November 11th, 2010 that you did Conan. At- I've never understood why that's a thing. The first guest on Conan's show on the new network. It's a cool, uh, to be the first comic. I mean, I don't know. Okay. I accept. Well, it sounded like a credential. Um, but yeah, I was thinking, man, remembrance day. It's not exactly the funniest day to be doing your comedy on Conan, but yeah, take what you can get, I guess. <laughs> if it's Conan, you're not going to say no. <laughs> but I just well, I saw the pe- data. Pe- like, people go to work on yeah. Remembrance Day. Half the day. But on the 11th hour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 11th hour, 11th month, 11th day. Yes. We have a moment of Don't silence. tell jokes at that point. Yeah, you're right. Well, yeah. You would take a moment to remember those who fought for our peace and freedom and made the ultimate sacrifice so that we could live our lives. Yeah, I don't really free. know why I went down this tangent. I was more trying. But then you get... go back to work, and that's part of the celebration as well. That's true. I'm pretty sure I would have worn a poppy. I don't know. I can't remember. Let's look it up. I will. I'll look it up. It out after this, yeah. I'll check it out right now while I'm Do talking it. to you. Do it. Check um, it out right now. I guarantee I was, trying to get I was to wearing a poppy. <laughs> Let me look for it right now. <laughs> you can share. It was November screen. 11th. I was definitely wearing a poppy. So uh, let's look it up. John Dorr. First comedian on Conan's new <laughs> TBS show. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Let's see here. November 11th. Oops. Oh, I put in 111. That's not good. <laughs> Too many ones in there, dude. Images. Okay. Let's see here. Let's see what we get. Um... It's not popping up here, Oliver. I have to uh, put in a better search. My criteria. What's you know what? The... I'm going to check too then. Oh, I should put. Okay, let me put. I'll this find one. it on YouTube. Because now I'm curious. Conan. I was only like m- meaning to mention Remembrance Day as sort of. An here, it is. here it is. I got a picture here. There you go. I'm wearing a red and black. Oh, there's a poppy. Okay. It's hard to see because I am wearing a red and black plaid shirt. So the poppy does fade into the background, but that it is, is good there. to know though. It is there. Yes. Look at that. Okay. Let's just send this on over. Yeah. I'll put it up during the episode. I can Taking show the sc- fans that you, you were accurate. Oh, I don't care. Um, Taking a screen grab here. Let me I was going to talk to you about the skit you did in the centaur costume and just ask you if that was the most elaborate stand up bit you'd ever been a part of with the pissing on stage and the, you know, integrity. And there was just so many working parts to that bit. Yeah. There are too many things going on there. Did not like that. Was it nerve wracking? Cause I thought even just the guy walking behind you with the fake legs, like if that looked a little bit off, it might've killed the joke a bit. And, or if he completely screwed up somehow, you know, were like Levi nervous. That was Levi McDougal. Oh yeah. Well, the, the plan was hope we were going to try and get, uh, like a Matthew brought, we reached out to Matthew Broderick's people, but he was busy like to get like an incredibly (laughs) famous. Yeah. To be uh, someone who's famous for doing Broadway and theatrical productions in New York city. We thought it'd be great if his only role at the very end was to reveal that he was the ass of the centaur and Hercules, the Um, musical. Yeah. And that didn't work out. So anyway, 
got all crazy. Well, kudos, because that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But um, if you could have dinner with somebody alive or dead that you've never met before, who would it be and why? Dinner? Did you get that screen grab, by the way? Yeah, I uh, got it. Did it appear in the chat? I don't know if it's going to open up or not. Yeah. Click on download. Oh, has it got a download? Oh, click to open. Yeah, it should go. Yeah. So let that open. Would I have dinner with someone? <clears throat> no, there's the Sean Lacomber joke would be I'd prefer to have dinner with. Uh, anyway, um, I don't know who would I have dinner with. Well, well we can go from totally time. We can go. <laughs> yeah. But now if it is dinner with someone back in time, so from the past, we'll say uh, now, are we eating in modern day or am I eating? I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to eat food. Good question. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go back and eat food uh, during the, but before, before we had realized that uh, ovens could uh, bring about change. And, and I, I don't want to trust like a, a fire in the middle of a field somewhere. Like am yeah. I where like medieval food or something? Yeah. I don't, I, like, when are we eating? I don't know. I've never been asked that question. That's very thoughtful. Um, is the food, is the food even important to this question? If it is to you, I would say you can pick whatever you want for the meal. Well, you said it's... dinner. You said yeah. if you could have dinner with someone. Well, you can so... eat whatever you want for dinner. You're a grown man, John. <laughs> I, well, but if it's part of the question, I need to know. Well, you can choose whatever it would affect you affect who I'm going to pick because I'm not going to go back and eat uh, in a time when, uh, you know, san- f- food standards were not government regulated. Well, that's what I'm saying. You can pick the meal and bring food from our time back. Okay, so I can pick them and bring it yeah. back. So yeah, I you could go blow back someone's then. mind. You could show like uh, spaghetti to Jesus. I, I wouldn't do that. I don't like the question because, yeah, you're risking altering. I mean, <laughs> I, I went back in time. The effect it could have, I may not even, the second I go back in time, I may not even be born. So I might just get into that time machine and instantly die because I wouldn't exist. No one's thought this hard about it, so I thank you. Did you open that screen grab? Uh, I downloaded it, but I couldn't get it to come up. Oh, there we go. Yeah, you're right. You dead, dead center. I can see it. Well, off to the left, actually, like you said. But yeah, definitely got a poppy. I'm going to share that when I edit this so everyone can see. You're a patriot. <sighs> I guess that's it, man. I was, I, was at, I was attacked for performing on November 11th. It was a vicious attack. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm here to say you can still honor the war dead and then go to work. And that's, I'm assuming not to speak for all of them, but that's what they would have wanted. They fought for a place where we could go to work. Oliver, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much again, man. And I'm sorry if I became off like a, a nervous wreck. I normally am much cooler than this. <laughs> Normally, I'm much cooler. Than I mean, this. cool as in cool and collected. You know what I mean? Not cool like. <laughs> That's funny though. Yeah, no, I feel like I'm. I have foot in the mouth this time, but I couldn't be happier, man. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, dude, that was fun. That was fun. Let's do it again sometime. Definitely, especially when you can come in person next time you're in Ottawa. That would be a freaking blast. I can't wait to be back in Ottawa. That'll be. That'll make me feel so happy. Yeah. Okay. Done. Yeah. Yuck yucks. I'll be there, man. All right. All right, dude. Okay. Thank you. And I no, look thank forward you. to more humor resources. Yeah. Okay. So final episode coming up Tuesday night and Kyle's going to be on it. So Kyle's going to be on it as well. We'll The wonderful Kyle Brownrigg. Yes. Kyle's Kyle's a wonderful human. Very funny. You know what else I secretly love about Kyle? Tell me. Uh, He likes his booze and so do I. And it's always good. It's always good when you meet those guys on the road. I don't think I'm telling as Norman saying, telling tales at a school. Oh no, no. uh, He talked about it. Yeah. 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 I love those people. Okay road buddies right on thank you so much man bye